It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at 3.30, Daniel Lust, sports sports attorney. Conduct Gentlemental is his uh, podcast that he's got out right now, so we'll talk to him about all things Devontae Adams, what he thinks from a legal standpoint. You know, I always talk legalities when it comes to Daniel Lust. He'll join us at 3.30. We're expecting Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports any second now uh, to talk all things UNLV, and we'll also get to our topic that we've been throwing out there. We heard head coach Josh McDaniels talk about the bye week and what this week is good for as far as the Raiders are concerned, and it's identifying different elements of what they do. What they do really well, my opinion, run the rock. Run the rock, run the rock, run the rock. That's their identity. We didn't know for a few weeks what this team's identity was going to be. Some people identified the run game immediately before the season even started. Like, hey, you got to run the rock. I didn't identify that immediately because I didn't know that's what they were going to do. Clearly, that's how their butter get, their bread gets buttered is by the way of the run game. So that's what they do really well. What are they doing that they're not doing well enough, but they have to keep doing? That's a question that we're throwing out there too. And then also... What is it that they're doing that, you know, it just ain't working? So just scrap it. 69187, keyword R&R. That is our text line. We'll get back to those texts in a minute. Right now, joining us on the phone lines is Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. And Paloma, we appreciate you. And you know what? I want to talk all things UNLV with you, but let's start with the Raiders and Josh Jacobs because back-to-back weeks now, he's ran (laughs) for a career-high yards. And you've been covering him since college back at Alabama. What have you seen from Josh Jacobs this season so far through five games? Man, I mean, I'm so, like, proud of him for sure. I know, you know, there was a lot of people doubting him, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, he's injured, you know, he's, you know, doesn't have a lot of potential, he's always injured, all this stuff, but, um, you know, I, I think he's really locked in this season and, and really, really, um, I don't know, I'm seeing more of him just stepping up as, like, a leader, being more vocal, um, obviously back-to-back career high games for him, um, and during the preseason, you know, it was all the talk about him was saying, you know, is he going to get traded? Right. Does Josh McDaniels even want to run the ball? He doesn't run the ball. The Patriots don't use their running backs. Blah, 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 blah. So um, to see Josh go off and, you know, he said after the game that, you know, not reaching over the goal line, you know, and, and the, the two-point conversion, you know, he'll, he'll take that. That's on him. Um, but, you know, I think we're seeing um, a hungry, something to prove Josh Jacobs. And that's, the you know, uh, the game in Kansas City, I was like, man, that's Alabama right there. That's <laughs> Bama right there. Like, that was him going off at Bama. Um, and it was so much fun to cover him at Alabama. Now that we're seeing, you know, that spark from him again, that's that's so exciting. And great to see the, Ra- uh, the Raiders run the ball, too, man. So, um, yeah, I mean, what <laughs> – I have so many thoughts about Monday night's game. I mean, I I don't even know if you have enough time on this show to talk about it, but um, I was, you know, one of many just, you know, blinking at the TV screen like, what in the hell? Right. (laughs) Yep. I saw saw some of your tweets after the game like, I can't go to sleep now. There's no way I can go to sleep with that kind of game. So, uh, obviously, obviously that one had the blood uh, pumping for you as well. But, you know, getting back to Josh real quick, you've known him for a long time. How much have you seen him mature just as a person? Yeah, I mean, Josh has always been kind of quiet. You know, he's always just been kind of a quiet guy that keeps his head down and, and goes to work and you know, he's, he's a beast out there. So we know that, 
you know, maybe he's not the loudest on the team, but he, he's definitely one of the hardest working guys I've been around. And, and I know that he's always brought just that, that work ethic to his game. Um, and even in the preseason when people were, you know, doubting him or, you know, he, he was just like, I'm not listening to anything. Like I'm here to do whatever Josh McDaniels needs me to do. Um, and now, now we're really seeing him, um, you know, play, play in some of his greatest games and, but listen, I think he has something to prove. You yeah. know, I think he has something to prove. They didn't pick up his, his fifth-year option, and I think he has something to prove. Um, and, and I think he's trying to show I, not only Josh McDaniels, but maybe the whole league, like, right. yo, I'm still here. I'm, I, I'm still giving it my all, you know. If not, you know, the best is yet to come for me. And, and you know, um, being able to just pick up this offense quickly and be able to roll with it and, and show Josh McDaniels that he is explosive um you know and that they should use him in, in right. two minute two minute drills and you know and use him down the stretch to win the game i think josh could have closed out the game uh in la i think he could i think he could have closed out the game against the cardinals um so so i, I have a lot of thoughts a lot yeah. of thoughts but <laughs> i'll tell you what paloma you're not by yourself i think a lot of folks believe josh could have closed out yeah. many games including the game against uh, the kansas city chiefs on monday night uh you know the yep. guy is just incredible 144 yards uh against the the broncos and the raiders win 150 something yards on monday night and a loss to the kansas city chiefs but uh, i'll tell you right now i i remember interviewing him at the draft before he was selected mm-hmm. and i remember dra- uh, interviewing him right before the season started last year and i was like how much have you grown? How much has your leadership grown? And he was like, man, mm-hmm. I mean, he was like really humble about it, but he, he, he told yeah. me, he's like, I remember our interviews and our conversations and yeah, I have mm-hmm. grown a lot. And look, he's third in the league right now in rushing. So he's, you know, yeah, how, you, how you said he's got a lot to prove. He's out there proving mm-hmm. it right now. Again, we're talking with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Now, I did want to get to some UNLV. Uh, they take a loss on mm-hmm. Friday night to San Jose State, and it was a bad loss, Paloma. How big of yeah. uh, I guess eye-opener or even a shock was that to the Rebels when they when they suffered that loss on, on Friday night? I mean, there was a lot going wrong for them early against against the Spartans, and you know, San Jose came out guns blazing with their their new quarterback from Hawaii, Siobhan Cadero, who's a dual threat quarterback. I mean, that, that the San Jose State, they looked strong on both sides of the ball. And UNLV, man, they just, they, you know, Doug Brumfield left the game early, kind of shaken up um, after the first quarter. So, you know, once Doug Brumfield was, was out of the game, one of their best uh, inside linebackers, Fred Tompkins, um, you know, was disqualified from the game on a, on a targeting call. So they lose one of their best linebackers. Um, they're banged up in their receiver room, out Kyle Williams, out Jeff Weimer. So, you know, they're on to, to number three, number four, you know, wide receiver. So um, there was there was a lot going on on Friday night. But, um, yeah, the Spartans were rolling, man. They were rolling on, on both sides of the ball. And, and Cam Friel, their backup quarterback, to jump in and get thrown in the fire. Um, you know, my hat goes off to Cam Friel, the, the sophomore quarterback, who's the reigning Mountain West freshman of the year to be to be thrown in there. And uh, he, he didn't do too bad. He didn't do too bad. After a botched snap, you know, he fumbled the ball on, on a botched snap, and he finished the game 15 of 22 for 153 yards and, and one touchdown. So um, not too bad. I do think we're going to see Cameron Friel start again this Saturday uh, against Air Force. Uh, because Doug Brumfield is day to day with a head and ankle injury, so I mean, if Doug is is not is not out there ready to roll, I think it's Cam Friel and and Harrison Bailey um, is backing up Cam Friel. But um, 
what I've seen um, from Cam is that he's he's played a lot of games at UNLV, and um, you know, Coach Royal likes the maturity and and the poise from Cam, who obviously stepped in for Doug last season. So if Doug Brumfield isn't ready to roll on Saturday, I would expect Cam Friel to to get the start on Saturday. I like Cam Frill just as much as the next guy, but the team needs Doug Brumfield back to be a contender in the Mountain West Conference. Did Coach Arroyo say which which injury is keeping Doug more likely to be missing time? Is it the head injury or the uh, ankle injury that's more serious? So he didn't really go into too much detail about the injury with Doug Brumfield, but he did say that he's day-to-day with doctors. What I saw in that first quarter um, was, you know, Doug took a, big, took a couple big hits. Uh, the defense was all over, all over Doug. So, and like we've we've talked about all month long with the concussion protocols and you know players' safety and everything. Um, Doug Doug was pretty shaken up in that first quarter, um, just taking some big hits in that first quarter. I'm, I didn't see anything with his ankle, but you know when you get tackled and you're falling all over the place, I'm sure um, he tweaked something. But he wasn't even at practice this week, so for him to not even be at practice or watching practice, um, that means that they're probably taking this really seriously so um yeah we'll we'll stay day-to-day with Doug but I mean yeah Doug Brumfield's one of the top quarterbacks you know in the country he was leading the Mountain West uh before he he went out so with him out is is huge uh for the Rebels and obviously we saw that a 40 to 7 loss to San Jose State without Doug Brumfield uh in there so uh UNLV is gonna have to respond and 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 continue to to move on and and roll on without him right now Something that you just brought to my attention is maybe is the Tua effect also trickling down to college football as well? Do you think that maybe if there wasn't such a big emphasis on concussion in the past month or two, that let's say if this game taking place last year, that maybe they would have rolled the dice with Doug? Have you seen that? Like even the college teams are being more cautious with their quarterbacks? Yeah, maybe. I think maybe. But Doug is also someone who was injured all last year. I mean, he missed mm-hmm. eight games last year with a back injury. Um, and so I think is just in general with Doug Brumfield, they'll try to be more, um, you know, careful with him and not, not just him, but I, I think everyone on the team as well. But yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen around the league with, with Tua and everything. Yeah. Maybe college coaches are, you know, being more alert with that. Um, so, so yeah, that, that could definitely be something, but yeah, Doug, Doug is someone who is banged up last season and they definitely don't want him to be, you know, hurt again this year. So I'm sure they're doing everything they can to, to keep him healthy right now. Yeah. He was banged up quite a bit uh, last season. So yeah, they got to keep him healthy. He's the guy that makes everything go again. We're talking with Paloma Villacana from Fox five sports here on Radio nation radio, nine twenty. and necessary roughness. Now, what has been the message from coach Royal to the team as they're trying to bounce back from that, that loss to San Jose state, which was a bad loss. I mean, it's not one that's just a, a loss. It was a bad loss. And then they have homecoming with air force coming to town. Mm-hmm. What has been the message this week? Yeah, well, a lot of guys, you know, have talked to me about wanting revenge against Air Force. You know, the way they closed out their season last year on the road against the Falcons was, you know, just a bad taste in their mouth. They lost 48-14 to Mm. and kind of laid down in the season finale last year. And that was a tough way to close out an already tough season, 2-10 and overall. Um, So a lot of the players have told me, you know, we want revenge against the Falcons. So I think there's kind of an even bigger chip on their shoulder this week that they want to take down the four and two Falcons who, you know, lost to Utah State this weekend. So I think the guys are are juiced up and hungry to to bounce back. And 
again, they're still dealing with injuries, so so they still have to go through, you know, with, with guys banged up. But one thing I saw this week in practice was Kyle Williams is back in practice, which is huge for UNLV. That's their top receiver. So Kyle Williams back in there, you know, can, can be a, definitely a, a positive for the Rebels. But, you know, Coach Royo is so, so quick with putting wins just right behind them. You know, on Sunday on the Red Zone, you know, we do go over the game, you know, the 40-7 to loss to San Jose State, but I already know they're way moved on. They've looked at the film, they're making corrections, and they've, they're just moved on to, to Air Force. So they know they got a good football team coming in here. You know, they, they got an explosive offense, one of the best running backs in the country. So, you know, stopping the run, creating turnovers, you know, being explosive on defense. Um, you know, UNLV still leads the nation in picks with, with 11 picks on the season. So, um, yeah, so I hope another uh, strong performance from UNLV this Saturday. Yeah, a lot of scar tissue with this program, as Coach Arroyo would like to say. <laughs> and with Air Force, they gave up 200 rushing yards against San Jose State. Did he say how, how big of a task it's going to be to defend Air Force from running the ball when they are one of those odd teams that's they do. That that's all that they do? Yep. Yeah, not that that's going to come down to defense. You know, that's going to come down to UNLV's defense. And that's, you know, UNLV's defense looks much improved this year in stopping the run and, and you know, their third down, fourth down stops and their sacks this season. I mean, I've seen a much more physical, much more improved defense this year. But I think this will be their biggest test of the season, Air Force, coming into town on Saturday night at 730, is stopping the run, stopping the running back, Brad Roberts. Um, who's like a top five back in the country right now? So they got a big test on Saturday, and it's it's yep. gonna it's gonna come down to stopping the run for sure. Yeah, man, it's gonna be interesting. It's homecoming. You want to get a win on homecoming, right? I mean, it just means that much more. Plus, I mean, the Rebels off to a really good start so far this season. Would love to see them close things out really strong, get that bowl eligibility, and who knows what else is after after that. So uh, they're looking for what win number five, right? That's the number they're looking for right now. Number, number five. five. Yep, yeah, looking for win number five. They're hoping to get it <laughs> on Saturday. Well, Paloma, good stuff as always. What uh, what you got coming out on the Reb Zone uh, this Sunday that we need to look out for? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm excited to have a lot of stuff on on the Reb Zone. Uh-huh. The Lady Rebels talked this morning. They're uh, they're preseason number one in the rankings. So mm. um, we'll hear from Lindy LaRock and and the Lady Rebels this Sunday on on the Reb Zone. Super pumped up about basketball season around the corner too. And um, I'm sitting down with. Uh, just all the women that work in the UNLV football program um, when it comes to Coach Royo's assistant, the director of recruiting, um, their operations staff, nutrition. Um, like I mentioned before, I think I told you guys, their yeah. entire video staff is all women shooting practice. So that's really awesome to see that uh, it's, it's all girls shooting the football games. So it's amazing to see that. So I can't wait to highlight you know, all the all the hardworking women that work uh, with the UNLV football team and the Lady Rebel season getting started, the running Rebel season around the corner, too. So uh, November, November is always the month where it's everything's going on, hockey, basketball, yeah. football. Um, so that's, that's when things kind of get crazy around November. But, um, yeah, another, another great show. And then Saturday night, you know, hoping UNLV can get the job done and, and bounce back in the win column. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that Wednesdays are normally your day off, but it sounds like you have no days off anymore. It looks like everything <laughs> is full steam ahead. So, <laughs> hey. Send, send me coffee. There, there you go. There you, we, got, we, got a, uh, we got a gift card for you. We got a, we got a coffee gift card so you can, stay, you can stay alert and do what you do. Well, Paloma, great stuff as always. We appreciate you. Keep doing the great work, and we'll talk to you next week. 
Thanks, Q. See you guys. All right, there she goes. Paloma Villacana right there, Fox 5 Sports, on Twitter, at Paloma Villacana. And, yeah, man, uh, we know that there's supposed to be days off, Damon, but you never know. You know, I mean, Saturday I thought I was off, and then all of a sudden Coach McDaniels was talking. It's like, nope, got to go, got to go. You know, so it's just like that's how it is. That's a great feeling. Honestly, it's a great feeling to have to know that there's always something going on, and this is the busiest time of year. So much uh, much thanks to Paloma for giving us a few minutes of her time this afternoon. 317 is the time when we come back. We'll want to hear from you. What do the Raiders do well? What are they not doing well enough but they need to keep working on to improve? And what do they need to scrap? Throw it in that bucket and say, nope, not going to do that anymore. Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You take this short period of time and you try to evaluate um, you know, what are we doing well? Let's keep doing that. What are we not doing well enough that we have to keep doing? And then we have to try to find a solution and see if we can make some progress and improve those things. And then I think there's always a bucket where you say, what are we not doing well enough that maybe we don't need to do anymore? You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Head coach Josh McDaniels right there. You heard him talking about learning what the Raiders do really well. What do they not do well enough that they need to keep working on and whether they need to scrap and just say, you know what? Enough of that. We're not going to do that anymore. That's the question that we've been throwing out there. And uh, you don't have to give us a super long explanation. Just hit us with the one, two, and three. What they do well, what they need to keep working on, and what they need to get rid of. It's that simple. 69187, keyword r That's our text line, our phone line as well. 702-365-9200. Fargo Raiders been very patient. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Keon DeMond, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm getting right to it. I'm going to say that the thing we do, we're doing very well, you touched on it, is is the running. We're running the ball, and we're actually up there and scoring. So we need to continue those two. What we're not doing well, what I see in my eyes, and we need to throw in the bucket, I think we need to stop with the trick creation. We don't need to be cute. Let's just play good, hard-nosed football. No need, no need for the trickeration or, you know, I know with the, the two point conversion, take it or leave it. It's not that big a difference. Yeah, we would have been tied, but there's no guarantee we win that game because of one point. You know, so I could let that go, but I, the rest is like those end around that they have Devontae running. All it takes is for some guy to take a low hit and grab one of his knees and we're out our star maybe a couple yards that he could pick up. That, yeah, it could be a big play, but it's not worth it to me. And what we're, what we're not doing great, I think we need to improve on. I'd like to see more more production out of our play action. It's mm-hmm. getting there, yeah. and I like it. But a little bit more would be nice. Last thing I wanted to say is, I said it this morning, and I'll repeat it again for, the, for, for everybody to hear. We have a great roster. The roster is great. The team is not yet there. We're not good yet, but we're getting there. I know it's hard after all the years of patience that we've had to continue to have a little bit more, but like you said, Maru got 38 games. I mean, I've been heated at times too, but dude's only had five games to coach. You know, we could clown them all we want, but at the end of the day, it takes more than five days in your new job to get your job done correctly, you know. You have to learn. You have to learn what you got to do, who you got in, around you, the personality is everything. You have to build rapport, and it's going to take a little bit of time. I see the improvements, but like I said, we have a great roster. 
The team's not great yet, but we're going to get there. Thank you for taking my call. You have a great day. Hey, good stuff, my man. Appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, those are some really good keys right there. I like that. And the trickeration. I saw a text that had the trickeration in there. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's go out to Berkeley real quick. Talk to our guy, Raider Fish. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, fellas? How are you both doing today? We're blessed. What's up, my man? Okay, so peep it. I I dig uh, Fargo Raider. Shout out to my man. Uh, I actually politely disagree. Uh, one of the things I want to see more of and keep plugging away as the unexpected plays. I want to see some trickery, some off-balance plays, some fake punts and kicks at the right time. I also like that our head coach seems to have us looking like a modern-day team in some aspects. We're starting the game plan for individual teams, not looking like the same cut-and-paste team every time we play someone different. So that's one of the reasons why we've been competitive and dang near winning a lot of these games because he has game plans specific for particular teams. Now, uh, oh man, I, I'm trying to be quick, but man, I had an analogy for you about situational football. Go ahead. You Go know, ahead. okay, right on. Listen, <laughs> so you're taught, <laughs> hey, beat game and check play. That's what they say. But anyway, hold on, hold on. I'm full of my uh, fish juice right now. Wait a minute. So, you're taught when you cross the street here in California, you look left, you look right, then you look left. Boom, that's good coaching. You get coached up from a little dude all the way up to wherever you are now. Boom, you go out into the street, you're coached that, almost robotic. You know what to do. Now, peep it out. If you go to London, okay, uh, if you look left, right, and left, you're going to get your head knocked off, okay, because... The situation calls for you. You need to look right, left, and right. So the coaching concept is there, meaning you, you need to look both ways. Okay, that's the coaching. But the situation changed. Now you got to look in two different directions. So uh, you take on defense, okay? If you got a team second, third, long, fourth, and long, they behind schedule, but all week your defensive coaches say, hey, pull that ball out, yank that. Hey, start that lawnmower, right? Let's pull the ball out. That's good. However, the situation, I always tell young football players, situational football takes care of itself. So if it's starting long, the situation says make the stop, okay? If the team is trying to drive the length of the field to get a last-minute field goal, okay, the situation all week, the coaches say, you know what, get the person down. However, the situation is, hey, if you got a pin to the sideline, just knock them out of bounds. Look at the timeouts. Don't horse collar someone and give them 15 extra yards. And I like what Jacob said. That's a prime example, okay? All week he's been coached, don't reach that ball over. Don't reach that ball over. But the situation calls, hey, it's a conversion. You know what? It doesn't matter. Situational football. All right? So these are the things I want uh, for them to work on is have – I heard a long time ago that Belichick used to have situational drills where you have all these – and Andy Reid, all these weird situations, and they would practice situational football. You know, the, 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 the cliche getting back to basics, okay? But it is true. Let's practice situational football. I have some more, but I want to be fair. Thank you for letting me ramble. Uh, go Raiders. <laughs> Good call, my man, right there. Uh, that fish juice. He off that fish juice talking about uh, looking both ways. I like it, though. I, there's always an analogy he has. I don't understand it at first, but all of a sudden, somehow, he's able to bring it in and, uh, and, and, and let us understand what he's talking about. Appreciate the call. We'll take one quick call, and we'll take it from Quick. Quick, what's on your mind? What it do? Q-Ball. Ch- chilling. Uh, 
you know what, I wanted to challenge Fargo Raider talking about the roster is where it needs to be when we have Roger Teamer out there playing too many snaps and our O-line is the way it is, really difficult to call this team's roster ready to roll. You want to know what we do right, we run the football right. That seems to be working really well. I want to piggyback off the last call. had a heck of an analogy. I forgot where he was going, but <laughs> situational football is the one where I feel like we are really struggling. Four times at the end of the game this season, we've had an opportunity to take the lead on offense. And this last game really showed me that we either are not prepared or we need to get it together in some kind of way because we've got two elite athletes running into each other at the end of the game, and you just cannot have that. And that's why my man Tay Adams got frustrated. Uh, hashtag free Tay. We out of here. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Quick, appreciate it. Good stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think that the, the roster, as far as the Raiders are concerned, they have a lot of top-end talent. I don't think that they're as deep as they need to be. But really good stuff. We'll get back to your calls. We'll get back to your text. Coming up next, Daniel Lust, sports attorney, is going to break down all things going on with Devontae Adams. We'll even talk about Henry Ruggs because he was supposed to be in court today and have a little something-something, and that got delayed. So we'll talk all that next on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. One of the biggest headlines of the dates so far has been about Devontae Adams and him being charged with misdemeanor assault for pushing a cameraman at the game on Monday night, following the game on Monday night in Kansas City at uh, Arrowhead Stadium. We'll get to that in just a second with our guy Daniel Lust, sports attorney, uh, does a fantastic job, Conduct Detrimental. That's the sports podcast that he's doing, the sports law podcast that he's doing. And Daniel, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We always are talking uh, some legalities. It seems like over the past couple years, the, the Raiders have had a lot of them. So before I get into everything, Devontae Adams, how is the podcast coming along, Conduct Detrimental? I guess it's good. I mean, there's really never a shortage of sports love stories. We had a whole episode planned today, and then uh, the Devontae Adams news hits, and you have to shuffle things around. So, yeah, we always have a lot of fun. Draymond Green stuff. You have fans running on the field. You have a crazy story out of uh, the – Pro Women's Soccer League, there is never a shortage of sports law stories. No, I have no doubt about it. And so uh, you're always our go-to guy, and we definitely appreciate you for that. And so as far as this Devontae Adams situation goes, uh, when you initially saw the video and saw what happened following the game on Monday night, what was going through your mind? You mean, it, it's funny. In the context of a fan running on the field during uh, you know the Rams game and getting hit by Bobby Wagner, and then you've had a certain you know, various fan incidents over the past couple weeks, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what's happening, but you're certainly having more interactions between players and, we'll say, uh, non-players, right, physical altercations. So I saw it happen. Um, and Q, I don't know if you know this. I used to work for the Giants in their PR department. So mm-hmm. I, I would help give those guys credentials, the videographers, the photographers. So, you know, those guys are like, I don't know, 5'1", 5'2", 5'5", some of them, right, maybe a little bit bigger, but they're not the biggest guys in the field. So... You know, the, the physical difference between those two, I, I certainly made note of. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an oddity, right? Sometimes you have wide receivers crashing into photographers on the sidelines. But rarely you have an altercation like that in the middle of a stadium, um, maybe TMZ or paparazzi or something like that. But it, it's rare. So, yeah, obviously that stood out. Um, I didn't expect 
this to happen, but uh, you know, obviously it was on the radar. Yeah, it, it really was, and I didn't expect this to happen as quickly as it's unfolded. I mean, it just happened Monday night, and it's Wednesday, and all of a sudden uh, he is charged. And, you know, we've had multiple people call us, Daniel, and say, nobody's talking about the fact that that tunnel is supposed to be clear. Security's supposed to have that clear for the players to go through. And like you said, used to hand out credentials. So what uh, about that element? You know, I'm not trying to put any fault on the cameraman, but what about that element, you know, about that supposed to be clear for the player to go through? Does that help out Devontae Adams at all in this situation? You know, I, I saw someone making the point online that if you watch the video very closely, it looks like the cameraman makes contact with Adams first. So, you know, to Adams' point, maybe he doesn't expect someone to be in that, that area. And then obviously he's maybe, you know, assuming that's true, that you can't have a cameraman in that, in that well or in that particular area, you know, maybe he's even more annoyed that a cameraman makes contact with him, you know, before that happens. So someone made the point online, maybe, you know, Adams was acting in self-defense. He got hit by, uh, you know, some type of equipment. You know, the problem is it's, it's the optics, right? Let's say that Adams felt bad about what happened, and it was really an accident. He felt bad. He showed some signs of remorse. You don't see that on camera, right? You don't see someone that's fearful, right? If someone hit me over the head with a, with a heavy piece of uh, video, right, a, a you know, piece of your camera, you know, maybe I can react in terms of self-defense, but it looks like it, you know, maybe something made contact with Adams first, but he's still kind of, you can't push someone over if someone taps you on the shoulder. So the response, the physical response that Adams made is not going to be akin to what we would call self-defense because he's not reacting in the same level of force. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen people try to make the case for Adams. You know, the truth is, this is, a, I think, a case, uh, at least the elements of you know, misdemeanor assault are met, but it's a case that's obviously, you would think it pled down to maybe some sort of violation or something like that, but... It's just not a case that you'd normally see result in, in some type of a charge here. So it tells you, right, that this guy, uh, who, who obviously is in, involved here, the photographer, the videographer, um, you know, he's not really as fearful for his status within NFL circles. But you'd usually think filing a police report against a player, it's probably going to get you, you know, it's, you, you would think, right, in NFL circles, you might be kept away from the field if you have that type of history. So. Obviously, it was a risk that this individual wanted to take. Talking right now with the sports attorney, Daniel Lust, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, you know, after that happened, uh, immediately in the locker room, Devontae Adams uh, issued an apology, and then he tweeted out an apology as well. Is there any way in that 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 could actually go back, come back to hurt Devontae Adams in this case? Um, yes and no, right? The, the comments, I mean, I, I you pointed out, right, for, for purposes of this statute, it requires in someone to intentionally inflict harm on someone else. So if Adam said, I, was, I wasn't thinking in the moment, I, you know, I was rushed, I was just trying to get in the back of the guy, got in my way. It's not what he said, though, right? He said he was frustrated in the moment, mm-hmm. and he, he feels bad. That's very different. That sounds like someone that committed right, some type of intentional act that resulted in bodily harm and feels bad about it. So I'm, I almost, if I was his agent or if I was his lawyer, I think you'd be better. I mean, I think hindsight being 2020, I think you'd like to have that one back because you'd love to have it at your disposal. I didn't see him. I was in a rush. I wanted to get back. No, I just, I was completely not thinking in the moment. But when he said I was frustrated, right, that sounds like more like someone that committed some type of intentional act, which makes all the world of different when it comes to that particular misdemeanor charge. 
when it comes to the person that's going to be filing this suit, um, or even if he does sue Devontae Adams, you say it's damning that Devontae Adams, that he apologizes. It's also damning for the person that was pushed, that he got back up as soon as he was pushed, and it was just as, just as good as normal. Like, he wasn't that affected to say that he had these injuries, because if it was me, I would have laid down and cried bloody murder for 30 minutes. <laughs> You're like the European soccer player. You're staying down for, for a little bit, right? You're trying to milk, milk it together. Right, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think the short answer is for purposes of a criminal charge, it just results in some type of inflicted bodily harm. You know, I've, I've been on the civil side of personal injury cases. I've been on the defense side. Um, some people could say, like, in the moment you have all this adrenaline and maybe you're hurt, right? Some people walk away from a car accident and it turns out they have all these herniations and, and bad stuff going on in their neck and back. That might have been what happened. We have no idea. I imagine this guy is smartened up, and over the last you know, 72 hours since the incident happened, he's gone to the hospital. Because I, I do expect if someone takes the time to go file a police report, that they're also probably going to take the time to file a civil lawsuit. It's pretty easy, right? You don't have to get approval from the DA's office to file a police report, or certainly to file a civil lawsuit. So, yeah, I mean, certainly it would have looked better if he milked it, if he stayed on the ground. But adrenaline, right, in the moment, maybe maybe truthfully didn't feel it. So, you know, the burdens of proof is always going to be on the person bringing a personal injury suit to show that they have real cognizable harm. If the guy doesn't go to the, you know, the doctor for a week or two, yeah, that's going to be looked at very suspiciously. But for all we know, right, he went to the doctor very quickly thereafter mm -hmm. or still might go. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't look great, but it's not going to be the death knell in the case. Talking right now with Daniel Lust, talking all things about Devontae Adams and this uh, this case that's going on with him shoving the cameraman in Kansas City this morning. He was uh, charged with misdemeanor assault. And Daniel, ac according to multiple reports, it's a city ordinance violation. So what's the difference between a regular misdemeanor assault and a city ordinance violation? So I, I actually looked at the, the charging the complaint that was filed in the, in the municipal court. It, it speaks to the Kansas City Municipal Ordinance, but it also does indicate the state statute. So okay. I think this is just a case of where the actual incident happened. And, you know, I, I practice in New York, but for jurisdictional purposes, the, you know, I think the statute for the state, for Missouri State, was like 565. Um, but that's not the way they charged him under. They charged him under this 50 169. You know, the truth is, a, for purpose of misdemeanor assault, if it's an intentional act and it results in harm, it depends on what state you're in. Some states call it assault. Some states call it battery. It's not going to make that much of a difference. But at the end of the day, if you have a true core, an intentional act that resulted in some type of physical harm, I mean, that's what most statutes are going to speak to. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Obviously, you know, the punishments are going to be different between the two. But I don't, I don't think Devontae Adams is going to jail over this. I, I think the most likely scenario is he gets this reduced to some type of violation, some type of uh, community service deal. He pays some type of fine some type of restitution if the guy has any type of medical expenses. That's the most likely outcome. I would be very surprised if Devontae Adams served any time in prison over this. Now, as far as the court papers, the court documents that were tweeted out earlier today when all the news really broke, his address, his California address was on there, and it wasn't blacked out. It wasn't omitted from it. It was all right there. Does he have a case against the person who tweeted that out? Um. Uh, the, the short answer is probably not, right? It's a public document. So yeah. Maybe he's got more of an issue with the police department, right? He, those guys got that from somebody. Could the police have redacted that out before they put it on their website or mm -hmm. wherever, wherever somebody got a hold of this? Sure. Um, but it's public information, right? Uh, just like anybody's address, if you Google yourself right now, most people's addresses, phone numbers, they're out there in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. It'd be a very different story if, 
you know, the guy that got hurt, if his medical records were tweeted out, right. that would be more of a HIPAA violation, which we've seen. The uh, Jason, uh, you know, uh, Pierre Paul incident, JPP back in the day with the fireworks incident or Zeke with COVID. We've seen whispers of HIPAA violations around the sports space. I don't, I don't think we have anything here. Maybe uh, Adams is going to be upset about it, but yeah, uh, I guess uh, what people will say is, and I know, I know I'm speaking to Ray Nation, but you know, in the other 49 states, they would say, hey, if you don't want your uh, your your information going out there, don't don't commit something that could be akin to a criminal offense. Right. And I'm sure that's what the police department's going to say as well. When it comes to filing a civil suit, does the fact that he filed the police report, does that help him out? Because at the end of the day, I don't think that anyone's sugarcoating this. He's looking for a payday. So <laughs> the fact that he filed a police report, is that going to help him say, hey, Devontae, we can settle this right now for $100,000 and I'll never mention it again? Um, you're coming in very hot here. Um, I like, <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> he is. He's on the breast tag. He's a short dude, man. He's a short dude. He's fired up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think it's a strong point, but I'll, I'll counter with this, right? Uh, obviously, this police report makes the story, takes the story to another level. If you had that ace in the hole, you probably would have had that conversation with Devontae Adams ahead of time. Like, hey, mm-hmm. listen, if you uh, want to settle this case, we can do it, or I can file a police report. There are certain states that are going to say that that, that that comment, that leveraging type comment, is akin to something like extortion, right? Hey, unless you pay me right now, I'm going to go and file a criminal charge against you. So, you know, I think you get more leverage that way. But obviously, again, you're walking pretty close to extortion by doing it. Um, it's a little bit different in, in terms of whether or not you file a civil lawsuit. So if you go say, hey, I'm going to go to the authorities unless you pay me money, that looks like extortion. But at least the law, at least in, in some states, says you know, if you want to try to settle a civil case with somebody, that that you can do. You can say, hey, I'm going to file this civil case against you unless you pay me now. The fact of filing a criminal police report, that looks a little bit of a no-no in the legal world. So I don't know if this guy's retained a lawyer or not, but, um, yeah, I I think, you know, the other part of this is, right, this is a contemporaneous document, a police report that he's filed. So, you know, to the point you raised earlier, when you came in hot that first time, is right. Like this is a contemporaneous document that's filed a couple days after this incident. Yeah, it would look pretty suspicious if this guy didn't file anything, didn't go to any doctors for a week or two. But here, now this guy has filed the police report. Um, so, guess that gives him a, a little bit more credibility than otherwise would have had. Daniel, just got a couple more questions for you. Wanted to ask: Now that the charges have been, you know, officially filed, do you think from the NFL side of things, it, it kind of puts a little bit more pressure on them to come down with a bigger punishment? I do. Um, you know, that's, that's the, the, the truth of it, right? Uh, Q, you know, I host a show called Conduct Detrimental. Yep. I mean, that's, that's the name of the game, right? You can get suspended for conduct detrimental to the team, conduct detrimental to the league. Pushing the photographer, you know, I, I remember the Dennis Rodman stuff back in the day yes. when he kicked that photographer below the waist. Yep. Um, you know, uh, you certainly could get suspended for it. Whatever the percentage chance that you were going to get suspended either by the Raiders or by the league, I think increases because this is the news cycle today. There's not that much going on, right? We're a week or so removed from the Tua stuff. This is the biggest story on the NFL front, for better or for worse. I mean, it's true. The police report doesn't mean anything. It just means someone accusing someone of something. It's not the DA putting a stamp of approval on it or, you know, convincing a jury that someone's guilty. But this news story has continued for another day, right? And we got another uh, 24 hours before game time on Thursday. So, We'll see. I, I certainly think the percentage chance is higher than it was before. Um, but then again, right, you go across sports to basketball. Draymond Green was not suspended for punching Jordan Poole in the face. So why should, uh, you know, Devontae Adams get, you know, uh, punished for pushing a reporter over who ended up standing up very quickly thereafter, you know, police report notwithstanding. So I, I'd still put it at around a 50-50. 
Um, but I think obviously that number is higher today than it was uh, yesterday. I'll say this. Draymond Green looked like he could have been uh, guilty of attempted murder, right? I mean, the way he <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a punch that made me say, ow, and I was just watching the video, right? I mean, geez, that was that was brutal. But, uh, yeah, that's all That's all part of it. And, Daniel, before I let you go, I did want to ask you about Henry Ruggs. He was in, in court today or was supposed to be in court again today, obviously with his situation from last year. He got pushed back again to, like, February uh, because the, the – uh, got a, a, a long report, they're saying, one of the biggest reports they've ever received uh, from the Metro Police. So do you have any kind of idea what that could have detailed, why they have to push it back again? You know, I, I was paying attention to this very closely, maybe about two months ago, the last time this was on. Mm-hmm. And I know the prosecution at that point, the uh, you know the people, they asked for the, the extension of time. So I'm not really sure what's going on. Um, and the truth is, right, this is a case that should be moving pretty quickly, right. given the high nature, you know, the high, the high profile nature of Henry Ruggs, and he's not really playing right now. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what the delays will be. Sometimes, right, for the Alvin Kamara purposes of the case, uh, actually also in, in Vegas, you guys have yeah. busy over there in the Vegas <laughs> courtrooms. But, um, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, with an athlete who's playing, like Deshaun Watson, that case was going to be pushed. Um, you know, he still has one civil case remaining. That case is at least set for trial in April of 2023 after the season is over, after that happens. So, and I, I get why Deshaun Watson's that one simple case remaining is pushed to the end of the season. Henry Ruggs is not playing. He's right. got all the time in the world to focus directly on this case. Same with his lawyers, same with the prosecution. He's not playing. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the delays would be. And someone could tell me, hey, they have new lab test results, so there's a new witness that came forward. But this case has been kicking around for almost a year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that wouldn't have come up months ago. So... Your guess is as good as mine at this juncture. That's all I got right now at this point. I just got to guess because, man, oh, man, it just seems like it's really, really delaying. And like you said, uh, not a lot that he's doing on his end that uh, really should slow this thing down. But uh, we continue to monitor that as well. Well, Daniel, great stuff as always. Conduct Detrimental is the name of the podcast. Uh, what do you got coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? We're going to go a deep dive into Devontae Adams tonight. I, I should have a former criminal prosecutor on to talk about it's legit, if it's not legit, but... um. Yeah, Draymond Green uh, and the NWSL stuff, anyone who's a soccer fan or just a fan of uh, interesting stories in sports law. What's going on in women's professional soccer is unlike anything I've seen in pro sports. A lot of firings, a lot of kind of gross sexual assault uh, Mm -hmm. allegations between coaches and players. So we're going to get into all of that in our next episode. You probably should be out either tomorrow morning or the, or the morning after. Well, like you said, it's never a slow time, right? I mean, there's always something going on. So uh, fantastic stuff as always, Daniel. We definitely appreciate you. Have a great evening. We'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Anytime. All right, there he goes. Daniel Lust, sports attorney. You hear him on ESPN. You hear him on Fox Sports. And you hear him, of course, here on Radio Nation Radio 920. 348 is the time. We'll come back. Close out hour number two. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Daniel Lust, sports attorney. Co-host of the Conduct Detrimental Podcast at Sports Law Lust on Twitter. Always joins us anytime there's any kind of legalities that we want to talk about. And unfortunately for us, I feel like in the last year and a half or whatnot, there's been a lot surrounding the silver and black. But obviously there's a lot in sports in general. So Daniel's always great at breaking everything down and talking about things that I have no idea about. Didn't even ask about Bobby Wagner. Didn't ask about Bobby Wagner. I think that that's silly. Right. I mean, I can go on a long rant about that. But if you come into my territory onto the field where I, you know, I conduct my business and you're running around knowing damn well you're supposed to be in the stands, then whatever happens, happens. Right. If a couple cats get laid out like that, dude, 
They'll think about it a couple times before they actually jump over and, and run onto the field because obviously security ain't stopping them. I actually would applaud a, a, a guy, you know, coming off the, you know, like a Bobby Wagner being like, oh, I got this dude. Boom, and lay him out. Because you know what? The next knucklehead that thinks about jumping onto the field be like, well, Bobby Wagner got homeboy. I don't want, you know, I don't want to get hit by Denzel Perryman. Or I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, seriously. I remember one time back in the day, and we'll get to Papa G in just a second. I remember back in the day, uh, Gary Payton, he was playing for the Sonics at the time. He was back at the Oakland Coliseum, and he was playing. And some cat came off the out of the stands and got onto the court. And he looked Gary Payton dead in the eye. And Gary Payton, they asked him after the game. The guy got, you know, escorted off right away. They said, uh, what were you going to do? Or, you know, did you get concerned? He said, I'm from Oakland, California. That dude didn't want nothing. <laughs> he didn't want none of this, right? The club was like, I got this. I wasn't worried about security. I was about to take him out. That's what they should do. Keep folks in their place. Like, man, you know you don't belong on the court. You don't belong on the field, baseball, or, or, the, or, or, or the gridiron. You go into their playing field, man, and I'm not talking about the cameraman because that's different, right? He's on the he's on the field as a cameraman, but you decide you want to run onto the field with your little your little pink torch, whatever your thing is, and do your little gender reveal or whatever the hell you're exactly, doing. Exactly, that's what I thought it that's was. That's what I thought it was too. Just like during the NBA playoffs when all them folks were like taping their tongue to the the floor and <laughs> not their tongue. Yeah, it was the their lady, hand. No, she put her tongue to the, the floor. I thought it was just her hand. Maybe why? it was her hand. I don't know. It was but, they, but they smartened up on that too. But they they, they tightened you, up on the security. But why would you do that? The protest for the calls. Okay, but protest your ass outside, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, if I'm seeing that, I don't mind. Look, if I run you over on the court, you're on my court. That's your bad. Like, I couldn't believe they let that happen. They let a lady chain herself to the to the, to uh, the basket. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. How does that happen? How did she actually get to physically do that? Like, none of that should ever fly. But people let it go because they're, fair, they're, they're scared of getting sued. I don't want to get sued. Come on, man. We had a homeboy that came up in the studio. Yes. And he was about to catch a case. He's lucky we were on the air talking. Matter of fact, we were talking to Paloma. I remember it like it was yesterday. He almost caught a case here in the studio. We maintained, though. We maintained, but he almost caught a case. You were over there. You were doing... This was during the uh, exchange this, program yeah, with me and Ari. Were, yeah, yeah. Was he he probably wouldn't company. have came in here if it was both of us, but Ari, he was like, oh, I got Ari. Oh, yeah, because he would have been like, oh, these are two people that I do not know. Right, right. Two bros, as you like to say. <laughs> <laughs> let me calm down the wild guy act. Yeah, let me, go on, let me go on over there to ESPN Las Vegas because these two bros in here don't look like they're too friendly right now. Yeah, homeboy almost caught a case. You can't come into, you can't come into someone else's job in their, in their, in their vicinity in their work field, wherever the place may be, and think it's okay to act a fool. You just can't. Just can't. Now we got things that beep at us while we're on the air. We got stuff with our phones to open the doors. I mean, we got all we got high-tech security of the world. I mean, we got all that now. All it would have taken was a beatdown, man. We'll take <laughs> one quick beatdown. Papa G, you're up, my man. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking my call. And i uh, got to say I'm a big fan of both you guys. I, I first, yeah, I'm a PSL holder. I'm in Colorado, but uh, I, I I went to that Chiefs game last year, mm. and on the driving back home, I listened to your show for the first time, and man, you had me in stitches. And just now, you you guys are like a great comedy act, <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, it's a good laugh. So hey. Thanks, and you know, just love you guys. So, and I listen when I can. So, anyway, I'd like to just kind of give the other side of the coin of that uh, Daniel lawyer what he said because yeah. he had to be kind of strict. Um, I, I would take the cameraman. I would 
Devontae's attorney should go and file an assault charge with the Kansas City Police and um, and then a civil lawsuit against that guy and ESPN and the Arrowhead Stadium Authority for not uh, um, ESPN for not supervising their independent contractor, the Stadium Authority for not uh, um, ha- having safe passage for the players off the field, which is paramount. And of course, that game at halftime, there was racial slurs going as they walked off at halftime. So who knows? You got a ha- hostile crowd. Devontae just wanted to get off. And then this guy all of a sudden jumps in front of him with a big metal bar. You know, that was just pure ninja reflex. And um, I would I would keep, you know, and against that guy, he absolutely has to avoid players at all costs. Because if he has any kind of case, that would set a precedent. What about all those cameramen in the end zone and the play barrels through? Well, that's the, the playing field, even getting off. He's got to avoid the players, and he had his head down. Both of them did, and they, at least um, Devontae looked up at the last second. So right there. Anyway, do you think any of that holds water? I think it's it's hilarious. First of all, I love I love the ninja breakdown that had me in stitches. But no, you're right. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different I think factors that play a part in this role. Right. I mean, it really does. There's a lot of fault there. And of course, on video, it's going to look like it's just all Devontae Adams. But there's a lot that goes into that. And Damon, you brought it up. I mean, you know, the security is supposed to have the, you know, the tunnel open. I mean, that's something that we know. We know that for a fact because we've been there, done that. There's been times where we're walking. They're like, oh, hold on. Like, you can't even get in the elevator. Well, coaches are coming. Get out the way. Like, I mean, there's there's so much security. It's so strict. That yeah, it's supposed to be like that. So there's a lot of different elements at play. Uh, I don't know if it needs to go to the extreme of Devonte Adams' lawyer going and filing suit and this, that, and the other. Especially not about ESPN. That's that's also my bag. So you know, <laughs> I can't let I can't let ESPN get sued. I, I need to make sure that paycheck keeps clearing. Payday is every Thursday. It's so coming out of your pocket. I'm just saying, hey, look, man, low man on the totem pole, right? You got to save a buck or two. Who are they gonna cut? Since you love the Raiders so much, right? This is on you, Q. Right? I mean, look, hey, man, payday is every Thursday. I'm saying 359 is the time. When we come back, Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network. He'll join the show. Kickoff hour number three. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.